0: I believed that my identity was the guy who knew everybody, Mm -hmm. the guy who was a part of everything, the guy who was on every board and every committee, um, the guy who had relationships everywhere. He needed something I could call somebody and I could help you make that happen. Right. That was my identity. And that was my value. Um, And both of those statements are wrong right both of those statements are false
1: welcome back to authentic on air with bruce alexander i am still your host bruce alexander effortless engagement a skill that i covet the ability to work a room from the second you walk in today's guest peter evans has it And today, I want to destruct the identity of a natural networker. But first, today's reflection. I am unapologetically myself. Until I walk into a room full of strangers who have the potential to provide the connection. I am, for a time, completely unfamiliar with who I am. Any joie de vivre that I command in regular conversation completely evaporates along with my confidence. What is the recurring situation in your life that separates you from your sense of self, no matter your commitment to authenticity? How do you handle it? Do you get the results you desire? Why or why not? I'll give you this tip free of charge. Do it anyway. As disparate as I feel in that moment, I just start walking. Then I aim towards a person, then I speak to the first person on the way who seems unoccupied. Sometimes, even before I speak the hello I was choking on, I step back into myself and have a natural conversation. Other times it may take an introduction or two, but at some point, I always show up for myself, and if you just start the thing, you will too. Peter Evans altered the trajectory of my life with one phrase. He may not even remember saying it. I believe in you. I had not heard that in a long time. I was especially vulnerable as I explored new responsibility for the fire department as a fundraiser and event coordinator. I was on shaky ground. I had achieved solid objective success, but remained an outsider. I didn't know if I would ever be good enough for my peers and superiors. I needed someone to believe in me. Peter then invested time in me to further prove that he saw something in me that I did not see in myself. The version of me that sits here today was developed largely by the support of people like Peter. People who weren't waiting waiting for me to become someone else. Someone I couldn't be. He believed that all I was missing was the opportunity to be a success. I needed that. And I took it, and it would fuel me as I faced major adversity. The power of words is unfathomable. My guest today uses them efficiently and uses them to put good out into this not so great world. Welcome to the show, Peter Evans. Man, uh, what an intro!
0: I, I don't know that I was totally expecting that. And you're right; I I don't remember that that moment or or saying those words. Um, but hearing you you say that and the impact that had on you uh, gave me some some goosebumps and chills to start. So uh, thank you for that. Yeah. Very very appreciative. Um, It reminds me of a, just one of my favorite Ted talks, I think it's called lollipop moments. And it's, it's that it's how many, how many people in your life have given you, uh, some words like that, that just meant something to you so big that that they don't even remember happened. Uh, and, uh, the whole thing is, is about telling those
1: people those things. So thank you, man. That's a, that's really special. No, thank you. Like it, it made a huge difference in who I am today. So it is a powerful moment in my story. Is that commonplace for you? Man, um
0: you you say that uh and and just like I don't remember that moment. I mean, I remember a ton of the conversations we had, and I remember kind of how we we came together, some of the stuff we started working on in the beginning, right? But I can't remember that specific moment. So uh is it commonplace? I, I don't know. Not remembering is definitely commonplace. <laughs> um but I don't know, man. I, um, I, I feel like I'm a natural encourager and that's a sincere thing I do just because I'm, I'm excited when people are doing things they're excited about. Yeah. Um, I hope that's uh, I hope it's commonplace, but I can't sit here and rattle off another two or three times when I, I really did that and pump someone up like that. So yeah.
1: I don't know, man, I hope so. I mean, yeah, I hope so too, because you, you have a really uncanny ability to speak power into somebody And like I said, you're in in effortless user words (laughs) that are powerful. So (laughs) I I appreciate appreciate that, man. Thank you. To to, uh, to, to refresh your memory a little bit, we went to the barbecue place in Homeland on the East Side. Sat down. We had a conversation talking about the board of the South OKC board of uh, chamber chamber of commerce, and and, yeah. yeah, sitting on the board. And that to me was something I'd never. It was never even on my radar. Yeah. Now it didn't end up working out, but to me, the fact that you had the confidence in me to, to even put my name up for that was a big deal. And I, I asked why, why did you even think about it? And you said, because I believe in you.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, and I'm sure that, uh, as you go down this road of, of identifying authenticity and, uh, some of the people you, uh, we will meet in, through this podcast and on this journey and some of the people you've already met through this podcast, um, you'll, you'll probably agree that you, you cross paths with people sometimes and you just know like, this is a sincere person trying to do their best, trying to put good out in the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that was pretty evident from the start. And I just, I enjoy being around those people. I don't know right. if anything will ever come from it. I don't know if we'll ever, you know, do something together, make
1: something together, but I'm going to be in your corner. I'm going to be there to, to help out when you need me. And, and having, having had that much more over the past couple of years has made a huge difference. I mean, it really has going from having friends who just, you know, want to party and drink to having, <laughs> you know, having colleagues and yeah. people in your network who are really, who are really rooting for you. It makes all the difference in the world. Absolutely. Man. You can, yeah. a, you can actually envision yourself being successful. Yeah. It helps whenever somebody else sees it. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's rewind a little bit. Come Tell on. our listeners who aren't familiar with Peter Evans, in your own words, who you are, what you spend your days doing, <laughs> and why you think I invited you to be a guest on the show. Man, um, that has
0: that description that intro has changed a lot, especially over the last couple of years. Um, for a long time. Uh, I was a, a guy inside Oklahoma city who was, uh, extremely involved. I was, I was everywhere because that was my job. Uh, took a job at a, a local media company and they said, go out and get involved in the community. Uh, and that's what I did and, and got involved and met people, joined boards, joined committees. Um, and for a long time, uh, I thought that was my identity. Uh, and so it when I, when I got the question of who are you, what do you do? It was always that, right. Um, that led me to, uh, the police athletic league where I was the uh, executive director for almost eight years. Um, and again, that was very much my identity. Um, but I didn't, I didn't really know any better. I was, I was young. I took that job at 27, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, just part of the networking, it became so easy uh, to to make that my identity, right? Um, and then when I left PAL in 2020, um, I struggled with that. That was a big struggle because uh, it was my identity. I didn't know who I was outside of that uh, that person who was involved in every every board and every committee and, and knew everyone when you walked in a room. And, um, so I struggled with that for a long time. So, um, who am I, who am I now? Um, you know, my, my faith is an important part of my life I tried to be a man of God first and foremost. Um, I'm an uncle and that's, uh, that's a huge part of my life. Shout out to my, my little nephew who just turned two yesterday. That's super exciting. Um man I'm, I'm just someone trying to figure out how to be more of my authentic self,
1: coincidentally. All right. I, I <laughs> wanna I'm gonna skip ahead a few questions okay. because you, you talked about your nephew. So yeah. board of directors for the South OKC <clears throat> Chamber. Yep. And South Mary sorry, Mount St. Mary High School Board of Directors. Yep. The OKC Good Board of Directors. <clears throat> the Capitol Hill Main Street board of directors, exchange, exchange or exchange rotary board of directors and on and on and on. What is about service that gets you going so much, but also <laughs> is the most important title you have uncle? <laughs> um, what is it about service that
0: gets me going? Um, the one thing I've been certain of uh, for a long time is, uh, is that I feel called to serve. Mm. Um, serve others, help people, encourage people. And so when I, when I am introduced to people who are trying to do something good, uh, really trying their best to accomplish something, I want to be part of it. Just to, I want to be your cheerleader. I want to, I want to help. I want to, if, I can, if I can do something to uh, help you in that journey, if I can take out an obstacle... Uh, whatever, uh, I will do it. I'm, I'm just so excited when people are doing things that they're passionate about. Uh, so you list off all of those, um, all of those boards uh, and the commonplace there is that those boards were all doing something really cool uh, with some really great people involved. I've met some of my best friends through those engagements um, and I just wanted to be a part of it. I just wanted to help. Um, so that's where I, I got to, uh, and again, back to the identity, I thought that's who I had to be for a long time. Um, when got to step away from that, you know, COVID was kind of a a hard reset, a forced reset, right? Absolutely. All of that stopped. Um, and, uh, the question of like, how much of this stuff was actually important to me and which pieces of it uh, do I miss now that I can't do it. Right. What do I, what do I want to get back to? What do I want to do? Um, Figuring that out has been a fun journey, but but you asked about the the uncle title. Absolutely, man. Um, Got two little, uh, two little nephews there, uh, five and two and they're just, they're, they're perfect. And when I'm, you know, when I'm having, a bad day when I'm, when I'm in a tough spot, tough mental spot, um, I just go be around them, hang out with them and nothing else matters. Mm. And it just, it's such a great way to, uh, refocus on
1: what's important. Um, and just what makes me happy. In that same vein, do you, do you plan on having your own family at some point? Man? Um, you know, I'm 38, uh, that hasn't
0: happened for me yet. Uh, I just I've lived most of my life assuming that would have happened by now. Uh, it it hasn't for whatever reason, um, and so it's not something that uh, I'm I'm going to say no to. I mean, yes, I would would love to be a dad. I'd love to have have my own kids, um, but I'm opening my Opening my mind to uh, the idea of life, maybe going in a different direction. So mm-hmm. we'll see what comes
1: there. So let's let's talk about your early journey <laughs> a little bit more. You spent sure. three years at TCU, mm-hmm. and then why Texas? <laughs> 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 um,
0: I grew up in a very small bubble here in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Um. And also, you got to keep in mind it was I was in high school, it was class of two thousand three. So I grew up in a different Oklahoma City than the Oklahoma City we live in now, mm. right? Uh, this was pre-Thunder. This was before all of our districts. Before the food scene, like there was just there was not a lot in Oklahoma City, and I don't think anyone would would tell you otherwise at that point in time. Um, grew up in a small bubble, and I felt like I grew up around a lot of people who um were pretty content in that bubble and I wanted to do something different mm. um and so I I knew I wanted to get out of that bubble so uh I started looking for ways to um just go out of state for, for school um around this same time uh, 9-11 happened big impactful uh moment in our history, um, impactful moment in my life. And we were showing up to that, uh, to school that morning, uh, to my physics class with, uh, John Kilty. He was my teacher at the time. Recently, he had recently retired from the Navy. Um, and all he talked about was serving his country and wanting to reenlist and go back mm. and serve and go back and, and defend our country. Um, and that was the first time in my life, um, sophomore, junior, high school, where that was, that I was like, "Oh man, that's that's what I want to do. I, I want to serve. I want, I want to go serve." And so I started down the path of trying to figure out how to make uh, military a career. Um, wound up with uh, ROTC scholarship. Had the opportunity to apply it to TCU. Uh, went down there. Um really, really, really enjoyed college. Uh, my grades, my attendance reflected that. So <laughs> that's why, uh, I started at TCU and that's why I did not finish at TCU. Mm. Um, had some scholarship dollars that, uh, and did not have the ability to keep, um, and, you know, grew up in a, a not not a wealthy family in South Oklahoma City. I, I won't say that we were we were poor, but uh, you know we always had enough. But there wasn't a lot extra. Right. Uh, and so the op- the ability the the option to continue paying for TCU wasn't an option for for me and my family. Uh, so I had the opportunity uh, to go down the road to UTA University of Texas Arlington, Arlington about twenty minutes down the road, uh, and stay in the same ROTC program and stay around my friends and stay in the mm-hmm. same. Network of people there, uh, so stayed there and finished out that way. Uh, unfortunately, the Air Force thing didn't work out for me, and uh, I had all of my eggs in that basket. I had no backup plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, twenty-two, ten foot tall and bulletproof. This is going to work out. It's going to be fine. It didn't work out. That was my first like major heartbreak in life. Didn't right. work out. Um, but. Fortunately, I had had some people in my life, uh, namely a guy named Tony Tyler, uh, who believed in me, mm. who uh, I was talking to him when it was all going down, when it was becoming clear that the Air Force wasn't going to be an option for me. Um, and he said, come back to Oklahoma City, come work for me. Um,
1: he said, I just I want you to be a part of our company. And when you say Tony Tyler, that's of Tyler media. Yes. So that's, that's Tony Tyler. I'm pretty sure term <laughs> Tyler media. That's
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. When, when we first made our first start building our relationship, I didn't know who Tony Tyler, who Tyler media was. Uh, but that was, uh, just one of the, the happy accidents in my life. Um, so yeah, Tony said, come back and work for me. I said, Tony, what's the job? What do you want me to do? He said, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Mm. Just come back. (laughs) And so I showed up, uh, came, moved back to Oklahoma city and showed up to my first day at work at Tyler media, not knowing what the job was, not knowing (laughs) what I was getting paid, not knowing anything. Uh, and, and I think Tony to his credit probably didn't know it either. Um,
1: and we just figured it out. So, um, if you don't mind me asking, there's a lot of hinting around what, what happened with the air force? Um, yeah, so I,
0: in, in ROTC, uh, you get a, you kind of get your, your placement, your job assignment, um, your junior year. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I got a, ABM slot air battle manager spot, which is like the the backseat of the AWACS, right? You know, traffic control type stuff. Uh, that sent you down a path of all the extra um, physicals and background checks and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Air Force found out that uh, the Air Force and myself and we we all found out at the same time of mm-hmm. a hearing problem uh, right ear. Oh, really? That is uh, completely uh, a non-issue, um, but. I can't pass, I couldn't pass the Air Force hearing test. And I took that test countless times. I took it Man. through them countless times. I took it uh, through my own doctors a number of times, took some steroids to try and try and work on whatever's happening in my in my ear, uh, and and never could pass it. So there's a certain level, a certain tone that my my right ear does not hear at all. My left ear here's a fine, so I will never notice. It's truly a non-issue, I can't pass the test. And I failed the test so bad that we uh, went through an 18-month appeals process. And at the end of that, Air Force said, nope, can't do it. Wow. Uh, and got cut. So this is one of those things. That at the time, it was, um, you know, the, the most unfair thing in the world. How could this happen to me? Um, all that sort of stuff. But... Uh, Looking back, there were a number of signs. I, I think uh, I was probably supposed to come back to Oklahoma City. One of the other signs: uh, had I gotten that job, had the had the uh, physical worked out, had I had I gone down the air battle manager path, uh, you spend roughly eighty percent of your career at Tinker Air Force Base.
1: Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you were coming back, <laughs> yeah,
0: and joined, joined the military to get stationed at Tinker Air Force Base um so
1: it, it all worked out the way it was supposed to um so yeah if if i know if my understanding is correct air traffic controller is kind of a path to being on some pretty badass units right um yeah that's that's the uh that's the thought um
0: there there's plenty of plenty of activity happening in the sky so i guess that's not always guaranteed mm-hmm. um but, but yeah, you're, you're probably in, in more of the, the thick of things, mm-hmm. but those, those AWACs are doing that from, from so far up in the sky that I don't know that there's uh, much of any sort of rush to the, to
1: it, but you're definitely a, an impactful part of what's happening out there for right. sure. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it's definitely not what I was thinking. The way that you handed around it, I was like, what did you do? Like, why did you, what did the Air Force find out about you that you're,
2: <laughs> after like, you know I mean? oh,
1: we can't uh, actually do this with you after yeah. all this time and money that's been invested in you? But no, you that's know, really
0: unfortunate. They, um, you kind of set your your graduation here. At least this is how it was when I was there. I don't know if things have changed over the last, uh, 20 years or so. That's weird to say. Right. But, um, the, the military, the ROTC programs, academies will commission too many kids uh, and then they'll have to spend some years cutting kids. Mm. Um, and then we'll cut too many kids and they'll have to spend some years commissioning kids. And so they can tell you ahead of time, um, the year you're set to graduate is probably going to be a commission year, probably going to be a cut year. Uh, and those are just there's things, you know. Um, and... When you're in a, a cut year, they just say, you know, don't give them a reason to cut you. Right. You'll probably get cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a reason, and I got cut. Well, and that's what it, of, that's what it it's was, a man. Small one. So, but the what a lot of people might not realize about the RTC program um, is that's that's essentially a minor, um, and you are being trained. To be an officer in the military, which means that at the ripe old age of 23, 24, first day on the job, you're going to outrank 70% of the people in the military. So you're going to outrank the chiefs and the master chiefs who've been doing that job for 15, 20, 25 years, right? Um, And who carry more weight than you and who just are better at their job than, than you'll probably ever be. Uh, and yet they have to call you, sir, and they have to salute you. Right. So you go through a lot of leadership training and how to handle that responsibility and how to, uh, work with those groups. Um, you know that the authority that you come in with, there's, uh, given authority that, that's kind of given to you with your rank, and then there's authority, influential authority that you, mm-hmm. you earn. Um, and so there were just looking back, I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, there's so many things I learned there that applied to so many other aspects of my life, especially mm-hmm. later on when I came in as a young civilian working with the police department in a, in a group I carried no authority over. Right. Uh, so a lot of things
1: that worked out uh, in a very interesting way. So in the, in the fire department, we learned about command presence mm-hmm. and having heard a little bit more of your, your training, yeah. that makes sense now yeah. because you have that, you have the, that, that, that effortless ability to kind of like exist with confidence in a room. That's the command presence. And yeah. that's, you know, that's a good little, um, uh, look into <coughs> how that exists for you. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you don't feel <coughs> it, but that's, that's the way it it comes across to people who are in the space with you. So, um, that's the first tip. That's, that's how you get there. Military training. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I'll tell
0: you, it's, you say it's effortless. It's definitely not effortless. Um, the other thing that surprises people who only know me in those settings, uh, is that I'm very much an introvert. Mm. I'm, I've always said that, uh, I'm an introvert who gets paid to be an extrovert, mm. right? I'm an introvert with extroverted tendencies. Um, and so, you know, especially let's, let's look at the rooms you've seen me in the places you've seen me work the room, right? Like right. you say, um, that's, those are relationships that have been cultivated over years, right? Right. So it it's taken me a long time to feel comfortable in that space um, but we walked into a a new room of people today and uh, probably be the guy on the wall you know really grabbing a couple of grabbing a, a drink or some food and if i find someone to talk to great
1: uh, if i have an opportunity to to leave 20 30 minutes in also great mm. So I mean, and that's that's one of the the bigger tricks I use is like know somebody there. Yep. If if you can just know any one person there, yep. even if you're not like the best of friends, just yep. have somebody you can walk in and talk yep. to pretty quickly, establish it's like establishing dominance. Like, you know, <laughs> hey, yeah. this this is my party, you know, even though it's not you right. just if you, you have a touchstone yeah. to feel comfortable in case things go sideways and you feel totally out of place, yeah. like this person knows me, I can talk
0: to them. Well, and and Take that a step further. Um, once you do know someone, uh, help someone who doesn't know someone, mm. right? And all the way back to, to Tony, my, my time with Tony Tyler, mm. spent my first year, uh, on the job shadowing him. If, if he was in a board meeting, if he was in a business meeting, if he was in a networking meeting, wherever Tony was, I was with him. Uh, and that's that's all my job was for the first year uh, just follow Tony around do do whatever Tony needs mm-hmm. um, and and you talk about working in a room Tony's he's he's kind of the master of that right. but it's uh, he's a very sincere guy he's a very relational guy same sort of thing it's he's he's walking in a room that uh, with relationships that he's probably cultivated over years and years and years of, of service and being his real authentic self. Right. Um, but Tony's great uh, at remembering who you are or remembering something about you. Right. So you automatically feel like, Hey, I'm, I'm I got some value in this guy, right? Like you mm-hmm. see something in me, there's a relationship there. I can, I can trust this guy. And he's great about saying, Hey, Bruce, have you met this person? this person is, is into this stuff. You guys might both like this topic. Right. Talk about this thing. You're doing this. He's doing this. You guys should know each other. So great about helping people connect that way. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did with me for the first year. Hey guys, this is Peter. He really likes doing this. Or he's really good at this. Or, hey Peter, this is so-and-so here's what they're into. You might really like that because you do this. And just, uh, I, I jokingly say he, uh, Mr. Miyagi me a little bit, Mm -hmm. right. Just a a year of, of him,
3: uh,
0: doing that with me and taking me into every room. And then, uh, at at about the year mark, he told most of those groups that he was stepping away from that, that position of being community facing. Uh, and that I was, I was their guy.
1: Did you know that before? I did not. (laughs) I did not. Um,
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. And you know, Tony uh, the South Chamber board just said I'm I'm on their board I've never been on a board what do I do I don't I don't belong in that room what do I what's going on and he just gives me his little Tony smile and he said you'll you'll figure it out and I you know walk into a board meeting with 30 people that I spent the last year getting to know Mm. and didn't even you know didn't even realize it didn't know it wow and so um, yeah Tony I there's a a big aspect of my life, I am. I am who I am.
1: I treat people the way I treat people. From a lot of things I learned from Tony. So I mean, it sounds like he invested. I mean, he definitely invested a lot, of, a lot of time, Tony, money in you. Yep. How long did you stay with Tyler Media? So, um,
0: my relationship with Tony goes back long before that. Um, he uh, so I went to Mount Saint Mary High School. He went to Mount Saint Mary High School. Uh, a few years behind me, um, we're. I was on the basketball team. He was on the basketball team. I'm sorry. Behind you, this guy is, is younger than us. No, sorry, sorry. Oh, oh older. Than okay, me. I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> Second, no, no, no. Sorry, um, old, older than older than us. Uh, he's class of '88. Okay.
3: Um,
0: but I. Uh, played basketball and and that was it was it was pretty routine when i was there playing basketball that older alumni would come back and practice with us a few times a month and just beat up on us right Mm. just grown men (laughs) coming high school kids beating up on you um and tony was one of those guys uh and tony was uh (laughs) I got to play uh, with the varsity as a freshman. Play is a very loose term. I was on the team. I don't know right. if I did a lot of playing. Um, but Tony kind of, he he gave me a lot of ribbing in, in the locker room, but also, I mean, stood up for me and just he, he took notice of me pretty early on. Um, and at the same time, I was going through uh, confirmation you have to have a a sponsor for confirmation, uh, and in fine procrastinator fashion. I just put it off to the very last minute and we were walking out of basketball practice one, one day. And I just said, Hey, uh, you're, you're an adult that I know. Would you be my confirmation sponsor? Uh, and little did I know that was just going to start, start my path down a, a, a lifelong journey with Tony Tyler. Uh, so that was probably 99, um, I went to work for him in 2009 uh, and I stayed there until 2013 uh, when I left for PAL. And the other cool part about it, um, back to Tony just being incredible. Um, At that time I had been on the PAL board for about a year. Um, Really fell in love with the police athletic league uh, and they were operating without an executive director. It never had one before. It was always just a police led program. <laughs> and, um, the board had a fundraiser that was starting to do pretty well, raising a lot of money. And so they said, "The the next step is for us to hire a director. Let's, let's go that route. Um, and that was probably January of 2012. um, and I started thinking about it, and said, "I think that's something I want to do. I want to give that a shot." Um, so I started talking to a couple of people about it, um, and and they got excited about it, and they were like, "Yeah, let's let's make this happen. Let's let's pull the trigger. We got the money. We know what we want to do. We know we know our guy. Let's make this happen." So again, January 2012. Um, so I go have the emotional conversation with my mentor. Hey, Tony, I know that you've been building me up to, to go down this path for Tyler Media, but I think I got to go try something else. Uh, and, you know, the reality is Tony and I sat in his office and probably cried together for about an hour as I was mm. <laughs> talking about leaving there, right? Yeah. Um, January 2012 and, and said, uh, they're wanting to move pretty fast. This is going to happen in a day now. So like, let's get, let's get our stuff ready. Right. Um, Fast forward to April, still hasn't happened. Uh, Fast forward to June at this point in time, we've pieced all my Tyler Media obligations out to coworkers or new hires, knowing that I'm going to leave. June of 2012, still hasn't happened. Pal hasn't made the decision yet. Hasn't even started the process of, of looking for someone yet still saying yeah any day now any day now um and tony uh essentially let me keep so we we had a plan where uh now that i would passed my stuff off to everyone else uh i'd spend some time making sure that they knew how to do the, the things we passed to them um after we we got that done um uh, we're probably in July, August, and I literally have, I have no reason to keep my job at Tyler Media. There's there's nothing for me to do there. Um, Powell still hasn't come around yet. Uh, and Tony tells me, um, show up here every day, spend your first couple hours making sure nobody needs anything around the office, and spend your afternoons out looking for other jobs. Interview, talk to network. Do whatever you got to do. Go find the thing you want to do. This POW thing's not going to work out. Wow. And so he paid me for six months to go interview with other companies, uh, other organizations. Um, fast forward, finally, the the POW thing worked out in January of 13. January? Um, January. Wow. But he kept me on staff at my, my full salary for another six months when he... Did not have to do that. Man, so not only relationships I, are everything. Not only would I not be who I am without Tony, I, I would have. I mean, pal thing would have never happened. I couldn't. I couldn't have gone six months without a, without a job and wait for that thing to
1: come around. You know. So, so who were you? Were you in communication with that was giving you the wrong information? And I, I'm going to guess, <laughs> having been in similar situations, right. There was more than one train moving at the same time. Man, um,
0: it was my, you know, I, even though I was, was, went through military-type training and I was never actually in that day-to-day work life, right? So this was my first time venturing into that city government pace of movement. Oh, bureaucracy. <laughs> and... Uh when they say Any day now, you know, and they look back and say, We got that position hired in a year, that's probably lightning speed to yeah. them right mm-hmm. uh coming out of the for profit world where any day now means next week, yeah, mm-hmm. we're losing money, we're losing business until this thing happens, make it happen um <laughs> that's not what <laughs> that's not what any day now means to the the police department right Yep. um uh, and they just they have their ways of working. they have their, their systems they work through. And that's what it, it took that long to uh,
1: get all their ducks in a row to to be ready to make a hire. In defense of city government, there is a reason that sure. everything moves a- so slow. Absolutely. Because there are, there are so many moving parts and so yep. many other things that are affected by every decision that's made absolutely. and taxpayer dollars are being spent. With everything. So they have to be accountable. Yeah. yeah. But working within that (laughs) system (laughs) is awful. If you're a person who likes to see things get done, you know, at a pretty quick clip, that's like a large part of the reason why I continue to get in trouble is because I wanted to get stuff done. Yeah. And, you know, my ADHD says (laughs) like, this is the thing we're working on. Work until it's finished. Right. Right. That's not the way that the, the government works. You work right. on, to, on it until you get to a point where you can present it to someone who can make decisions mm-hmm. and then you wait and wait yeah. and wait. And well, it's like, you, I hated that. You know, the,
0: the system I was in, we had to work on something until we could present it to someone who could make decisions, but that person had to present it to someone who could make a decision that person. Oh, oh yeah. Same, same. Up the chain, up the chain, up the chain. Right. And, mm-hmm. and again, not, not meant to be uh, a knock on anything. Uh, it was just different than what I was used to. and so had i had I understood that better uh, at the time, I would have described the situation better. But I took their any day now as a mm-hmm. as
1: a me and you any day now. Right. <laughs> it was not. So and, you know we we've talked in length about the learning curve mm-hmm. that existed for both of us, yep. coming from non you know military or paramilitary backgrounds going into it, right. and being in these administrative positions is it's definitely very difficult to to learn sure and it's easy to struggle i probably shouldn't have struggled as much as i did because i kept making the same mistake just yeah. because not not out of impatience but out of ambition yeah wanting to wanting to wanting to be successful yeah and that's you know it can be a dangerous thing mine mine was impatience and <laughs> immaturity, man like immaturity I'm might have been part of it too. looking back again um
0: you know, I took that job at 27 I had uh, I probably did not have the relevant experience to, to get that job mm-hmm. um, but there were some people that believed in me some people who were in my corner and would cheer me on the other um, really really cool thing that happened at that time um, when I when I finally got the job my first time to sit down and meet then chief Bill City. Um, He said, uh, do you know how many emails I've got from people in the community telling me that we need to speed this up and hire you? I was like, what are you talking about? I I don't know. I don't know what you mean. And he rattled off people from all over Oklahoma City who were reaching out to him because they had a relationship. Wow. Because they knew someone. Uh, they knew him from something saying, Hey, you guys have an opportunity to hire this kid for this thing. Do it. Wow. Um, And those weren't, those weren't things I asked for. Um, those weren't things I expected. Uh, and, and again, just knowing, uh, that I had that kind of support behind me that I had had no idea about, even still in this moment, uh, chokes me up a little bit. Wow.
1: So that that kind of leads me to, down another path. You had you've had a lot of really great support all through your career as you like worked into this new position. Yeah. I don't know if this is still true, but you kind of you kind of seem like you weren't really living up to to the hype. Is that still true? Elaborate on your question for me. You you would kind of seemed like there was some uncertainty about you really fulfilling your potential. Oh you mean I'd expressed that
0: yeah 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 um, <clears throat> yes, man um, it goes back to that identity thing, right like I I believed that my identity was the guy who knew everybody mm-hmm. the guy who Was a part of everything. The guy who was on every board and every committee. um, The guy who had relationships everywhere. If you needed something, I could call somebody. I could help you make that happen. Right. That was my identity. And that was my value. Um, And both of those statements are wrong. Right. Both of those statements are false. Right. Um, I didn't know that at the time back to that kind of immaturity perceived invincibility. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's when I got to a place in my life when it was too much, it was too much to carry. There was too much anxiety. There were too many plates spinning and I couldn't do it because I'd set up an unsustainable trajectory. Right. Mm -hmm. When I got to the place where I couldn't do it anymore, I suffered. I went to a dark place, man, because all of a sudden my identity and my value are things I'm not good at. Because look at this thing that dropped over here. Look at that thing that didn't get done over there. Look at that thing that I told someone I would help with that I couldn't help with or I wasn't good enough to help with. All of a sudden, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and that struggle, I, I struggled there. I spent, you know, I, I loved, I loved pal, right. Um, still do. Um, but I probably spent my last two and a half, three years there on a personal mission just to prove that I was good enough to do it. It was not, it was not enjoyment in that, right. There was no, there was not being, me being my authentic self, that's not me being in a healthy place. It's me doing everything I can to hold on to this facade of I can do it all. Mm. Um, again, I just I didn't, I didn't know any better. Um, I thought that uh, leadership meant I got to do everything. I'm the end all be all, the buck stops with me. I make every decision this thing passes or fails because of me. Uh, and then I take those successes, ideally only successes, and take them back to my support system and my board of directors and my, my team and say, look at look at this. Look at what we did, look at what we got through, right? Looking back, <sighs> I missed out on such an incredible resource because I had I had such incredible community champions on my board of directors uh, and I rarely asked them for anything. I had guys that could, uh, could spend any amount of money on anything they wanted in the world on my board. Uh, I had people uh, with relationships everywhere in the city who could have called in any sort of favor, any, any time of day. Right. Um, I had just, genuine genuine people on my board and i never asked them for anything because i thought i had to do it all myself mm. um and, and again that's just that's not what leadership is uh and it's not uh it's, it was just unsustainable and unhealthy and so again the last couple of years i spent um my time just trying to prove to to myself to everyone else that i was good enough to do it um
1: beat me down a lot. It was, was a rough time period. So in that period, if I understand this correctly, yeah. the responsibility in your mind was all on you. The failures were all on you. But the success belonged to everybody? Yep. Wow. I mean, that's...
0: Because, I mean, even though I was, I was a part of it and I was a um, the, the leader in many cases, um, I was never comfortable with the, uh, hey, look at me. Right. Like it was, it was a a team win, a team effort, but if something failed, if something broke, it was, I'm going to, I'm going to carry this. I'm going to take this heat for everybody else. Yeah. That sounds pretty hard. Again, back to me, just believing that's what that that's where my value came in. Here's, here's everything I can do to take a burden off of your shoulders without replacing it with another burden. So so, what did that dark place look like? Man, um, A lot of isolation. I mean there's there's anxiety, there's depression. there's really, really, really negative thoughts. Um, that just just go to to bad places. yeah, and and again, um, being the guy who knows everybody and is involved in everything. Uh, I can't show up to your board meeting and with, with that kind of attitude. Right. Mm -hmm. So not only was I carrying that, I also didn't feel like I had any place to show it Mm -hmm. again, even though I had guys like Tony Tyler still in my corner who would have, who would have carried that burden with me all day and, and has since, um, I couldn't let anybody know. I couldn't tell anyone. Uh, and so, man, talk about whatever the, the exact extreme opposite of authentic is, right? Like, I was showing up every day being a completely different person, mm. being absolutely not myself. I needed help and I couldn't tell anybody about it.
1: And then that's, I, I've talked about this in depth. That authenticity is not just about showing the best side of you to everybody uh-huh. it's about whenever you are when you're struggling you didn't, of course it's not for everybody to know your struggles, but those people who care about you yeah. and have invested in you it's about showing hey i'm I'm struggling yeah, and giving as Derek and I talked about giving your friends an opportunity to friend
0: just them have
1: a chance to be there for you like you've been there for them man uh.
0: Giving, giving your friends an opportunity to to friend uh, it was probably 20 18, 19 20 somewhere in there um, when I finally gave my friends an opportunity to friend wow and that was that was heavy too man because I felt like I was coming to you saying hey the the, the person you've known over the last 10 20 years, is not the actual guy who I am. Mm-hmm. Here's who I really am. Um, and I had this scenario built up in my head where all these people were going to like, that's, that's too weird. That's too much, too heavy for me. Um, good luck to you. Right. And just, just leave. Yeah. Um, and man, my, my friends showed up and continue to show up today in such a big way when, when all that, when all that happened. Um, there's a quote and I'm going to butcher it. I love, I love quotes. I shouldn't butcher this one, but it's something like, um, people will notice you for your abilities, uh, but people will love you for your vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. Right. Pretty close as far as I remember. Yeah. Uh,
1: and that's real, man. So, so how, how long do you, how long do you think in all you were in that place where you were, Really covering up that, you know, we're not, not the place where you were misassigning your value, but the place where you felt like you were failing and you were hiding it from everybody. How long do you feel like you were in that place? 2017 and, to 2020. I can wow. almost give you the dates. Three years. That's, uh-huh. that's a long time. And so when you finally revealed yourself to your friends. Yeah. was that Did that feel like uh, a NASCAR freaking just hitting the wall did it just
0: man it was so a couple of things um the first person i told uh was my girlfriend at the time again this is probably like 2017 Mm -hmm. um and she said something insanely profound to me that most everyone else will probably just say like yeah duh (laughs) you dummy come on um i was having a really this is kind of when the whole thing was starting and i kind of let her in on some of these these thoughts and feelings i was having and she just said you know you don't have to live like that right i was like what what do you mean of course i do uh these were the cards i was dealt and i just this is the hand i gotta play right this is this is life um that simple statement uh, led me down the path of counseling, to, towards counseling, which um, you know, at the time uh, I was embarrassed to tell people about. I was embarrassed to tell people I was in counseling, you know, seeing a counselor. Um, so if I, if I had a counseling session on my calendar, I was calling it something different, um, straight up just lying about where I was going. Wow. I didn't want anyone to know I was going to counseling. Uh, because that idea of saying like hey I need help just wasn't on my radar right mm-hmm. here I am now six years later still seeing the same counselor uh, and it's it's blasted everywhere if I have counseling leave me alone I'm in counseling right now like right. I don't I don't got time for you if, if someone's not dead do not call me I'm in counseling absolutely I've become such an advocate for it man um, mental health counseling uh, something that you know. Thankfully, we I think we've come out of most of the stigma around that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. People are talking about this now, um, but we still got to talk about it a lot more, especially. Um, man, you know, I was raised uh, in a. I'm a, I'm half Hispanic. I was raised by the uh, Hispanic side of my family. Um, I think you see a lot in minorities of here's how. Here's how you're supposed to act. Here's how you're supposed to let emotion out. Here's how, you know, and I'm sure everyone, minority or not, says, "Yeah, I, I was raised with some of that too, or I see some of that too." So I'm sure it's not unique uh, to to me and my situation. Um, but man, we got to talk about it a lot more. Mental yeah. health, saying, "Hey, I'm not okay. I need help," uh, is a big deal. Yeah. And so I started going to a counselor in 2017, um, and it took three years of counseling uh before I could tell my first friend uh Tony Tyler coincidentally took him to lunch at Charleston's 240 and Penn and cried through the entire thing saying I'm not okay I need help um, and everyone uh I I said this to another great friend of mine Liz Acklin who's who's been a friend of mine uh for 10 years now uh, I told her to another buddy one of my TCU buddies uh, David who has been one of my best friends for 20 years I'm terrified to tell these people Of here's who I really am I need help um, every one of them not only showed up and, and friended in a big way um, but they all said like yeah man me too mm-hmm. like I get that way sometimes too and I'm I'm also afraid to, to talk about it so thank you for opening this door so we can talk about it another buddy um drew a tc guy who happens to live here uh same short thing and just thank you that we can talk about these things right yeah and so having all of these people say yeah man me too that was such an incredible weight uh off because um you know that that anxiety, that depression, uh, one of the factors there that just multiplies that feeling. And mm-hmm. for me, at least, uh, was the isolation mm-hmm. feeling that what I'm what I'm carrying, what I'm going through, is so unique to me. You wouldn't understand it, right? right? And everyone else is like, "Oh yeah, I completely understand it." Here's mm-hmm. my scenario. Here's my situation.
1: Uh, that sounds just like that. I need help too so for for three years of counseling was the was one of the main goals the entire time to be able to be honest with your friends no man nope <laughs>
0: the, the first goal and the tougher one um uh, was be honest with
1: myself oh, yeah that's i, I mean
0: again, oh, hey, you, to, you
1: should be your friend' I don't back know to d-
0: no and that's man. there was a long time when i wasn't my friend man mm-hmm. um i i grew up in a in a place where I had to take a lot of responsibility really early. Um, I had to start protecting people really early. Um, Always had to look out for for other people and never learned how to say, I need a little bit of help. I don't feel good today. I don't feel right. I can't do this today. Can you help me? Just wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's again, not a knock on, on anyone um it's just just an aspect of how I was raised, right? Um taking that into life and that to that's where my value comes from. Value comes that comes in a place where I'm gonna be there when I say I'm gonna be there and I'm gonna help you do what you're trying to do, right? And I'm not gonna ask you for anything in return. Um so yeah, my my very first battle uh, in, in counseling was learning, un, unlearning that, right. And, mm-hmm. and accepting and believing, uh, that I'm, I'm good enough the way I am, man. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I'm we've all got good days and we've got bad days and we've got things we do well and things we don't do well. Uh, and, and either way, I'm, I'm good enough. Yeah. Uh, and even today, man, I mean, six years into counseling, um, there are days that, that I believe that more than other days, right? Right. Um, so I, I can't, I won't pretend like um, I got to the end of that journey and I'm I'm there and it's good every day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there are um, coping mechanisms I've healthy coping mechanisms I've learned, uh, and I know who my people are that I can reach out to and when, when I'm having a really bad time. Yeah. And I'm still in counseling
1: with the same guy. So, yeah. I mean, I mean there really is no end to that journey. you know. No, it's, there's not. It's, I've talked multiple times on the show about we just keep trying to improve the version of ourselves that we show up as. And, you know, it takes different different stops along the way to help improve that version. And counseling for you, may be, it may be a six-month part of it. It may be for the rest of your life. And, you know, I just encourage anybody to to see counseling and get what they need to, especially if you're in that, that dark place where you, you feel like you're doing it all alone. You're not like, you don't have to. Yeah, absolutely, man. And unfortunately,
0: um, we're, we're in a place now where it is talked about a lot more. Uh, there are resources out there, um, that people didn't have 20 years ago. You know, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of my trauma, a lot of my hurts come from uh, the, the kind of family environment I was raised around, right? And there was a time that I I carried a lot of... I associated a lot of blame in that. It's your fault. You did this, right? Mm-hmm. But now as a 35, five, four year old realizing that these people that I held blame towards for so long were... 35- and 40-year-old people who were struggling, who had no outlet, right? They didn't have resources. They weren't encouraged to talk about it.
1: They were just doing the best they could. I mean, they were encouraged not to talk about it. Right. I mean, it was yeah. especially in the minority communities. Right. Talking about mental health yeah. is not something you did for our parents' generation specifically. And, right. you know, even coming into our generation as men, it's still, you mm-hmm. know, it's still shaky. Right. It's getting a lot better, but... And so, so
0: let's self-medicate. Let's, let's find whatever vice is out there that helps me get through this. Right. Those, the people and and some of the people that hurt me the worst love me. Mm -hmm. Right. Like there's, uh, there is no way. That's my mom, for instance. My mom and I don't have the best relationship. I haven't had the best relationship for the past like, 15 years now, right? My mom's made plenty of mistakes in her life. Um, my mom's lived a hard life, um, lived a very hard life. Uh, and and a lot of her mistakes hurt me. My mom has never woken up a day in her life and thought, I'm really going to try and get Peter today, yeah. right? I'm really going to do it. I'm going to do this thing to make sure I hurt him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this thing to make sure he knows that I have this power and control over him. Right? right? Okay. Never once has she has she woken up and thought that. Right? She still did things that hurt me. There's still still pain there. They're not her fault. She, she was trying to figure out life. Trying to get through it. Trying to make it. Right? Mm-hmm. And so when you realize that uh, that that was where things they were carrying uh, makes that blame a lot easier to just let go off.
1: Well, some, something that I've had to deal with, is my mom and I don't have any relationship right now. I think that. Okay. What the heck? Oh you go. Okay. We don't have any relationship right now. We haven't yeah. spoken in over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, as I was coming into my own story I was learning that there was a lot of trauma there that had gone un unmitigated and yeah. um, it's it's hard with that familial yoke to realize that you don't have to carry it anymore yeah and if the person that you're that you're dealing with isn't trying to improve themselves you don't have to invite that toxicity in your life anymore yeah. and that's that's something that I don't want people to be estranged from their families, but I also don't want people to put up a toxicity because sure. they feel the, the blood is worth it. Sure. Completely agree. And again, for
0: 10 years, I drew a hard line. You're out of my life. We have no relationship. We do not talk period. Um, and the thing that blurred those lines, uh, were my nephews. Um, because again, back to there being no blame, I don't want my mom to feel pain. I don't want my mom to, to hurt every day. I don't want her to, to carry what she's carrying, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't wish any ill will there, um, but we still don't have a relationship. Um, my sister has maintained that relationship with her very close, talk every day. Mom's a big, big part of my nephew's life, right? Mm-hmm. I also wanna be a big part of my nephew's life. So guess who I see now? Right. Way more often than I saw five years ago, my mom. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the two, what you said, um, be either drawing that hard line or you know ignoring the, the familial bond there, mm-hmm. um, there can be a there can be a middle ground. You know? Oh, absolutely. And it took me ten years to find that middle ground, right? Mm-hmm. Like I still have the boundaries. You still have very limited access to my life. Um, the wall is not up that says you, you can't earn any more of this time back. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I'll be open to that. Um, but I still have my, my boundaries are in place that say, if you do this thing, if you cross this line, I'm just going to remove myself from the situation. Right. Right. And again, it, it doesn't, when that comes now, it doesn't come with blame. It doesn't come with, uh, doesn't come with as much hurt as it used to come with. It's just, hey, there's my line. I gotta go now. Mm-hmm. And I'll see you again, whether it's in a, a week, a month, or a few months, and we'll be fine, we'll be cordial and everything will be good. But yeah. today I hit my limit. I gotta go.
1: Right? Yeah, for me it's just about not <coughs> inviting it in. Yeah. I don't I don't call her anymore. Yeah. She, she might say I'm keeping her grandkids from her, but they have a phone. Yeah. She hasn't called them a single time since we stopped talking. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Man. Yeah. And that's, you know, it, it's tough, but at the same time, when she was involved in her life, there was a lot of triggers for me Yeah, seeing like, she's so concerned with material things yeah. over the growth of people. Yeah. And that, you know, and that's hard to see whenever you're yeah. looking at your people that you've created that you're so proud of yeah. and she's more concerned about the couch that's got plastic on it. And, and like, Oh, don't, you know, we, this is the adult only room. Yeah. You know, basically kids are here to be yeah, seen, yeah. not heard. And right. Yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of those old fashioned uh-huh. values and her mom is very much all of that. Her mom told me that she did not want to hold my oldest whenever she was born, I, but she was like a year and a half old because she wasn't, she doesn't like kids until they become injured or until they get their own personalities so she just had no desire to hold my kid. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I see where it all comes from now. And I I was exhibiting a lot of those same, you know, tendencies. And that helped me see like, you have to take a hard look at yourself and be careful. Man. That's not, not the truth. Also another, just
0: a kind of a funny experience for me. Um, and back to, to a relationship I was in at the time, same girlfriend who, who helped me go down the path of counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, my sister was pregnant with her oldest son, um, and she wanted to have a baby shower. And, and my girlfriend and I were pretty serious. Um, and, and she wanted to invite my girlfriend to the baby shower. Uh, and my mom was coming to the baby shower, right? Mm-hmm. And the only thing my girlfriend knew of my mom was this this person that I portrayed to her. Here's all the hurt. Here's all the trauma that I have around this person. Uh, It's it's all based in in addiction and and all sorts of other bad things. Um, So I I painted this picture of who my mom was. My girlfriend said, hey, you know, your sister's invited me to this thing. You know your mom's going to be there. Do you want me around your mom? Do you want me to go be there? I won't if you if you're not comfortable with it. And I said, you know, do whatever you want to do. If you want to go, go for it. Mm-hmm. Show up. Um, so she went and she came back and she was, she was a little confused. Um, how so how was it? What what'd you think? You know, how was how's the baby shower? And all she wanted to talk about was my mom. She said, uh, I didn't meet the person I thought I was, I was going to meet. The, the way you described her uh, had a picture in my mind of this, you know, awful person. Wow. Shame on me. Um, she said, that's not who I met. Uh, in fact, I met the person where I think you get your personality from. I mm. met the person who knows everyone in the room. I met the person who can effortlessly walk the room and and start conversation with everyone and make everyone feel like she's their best friend. Uh, She's like, I just, you two are twins
1: in so many ways. Uh And I just, that was a, another just kind of aha, weird moment in my life. So what did you, what did you take from that in, in your uh, understanding of, your relationship with your mom?
0: Um, I think that, uh, that was the first time that I really took a step back and and was able to say, okay, this person I've been describing, especially, and, uh, the, the conversations and the scenarios I had, uh, in my head and only with myself, uh, over that 10 year period where we didn't talk. Um, you know, you can lead yourself down a really bad path. Right. And so I, I contrived a bunch of situations that were just not real. Right. Um, And so I had this, this persona built up solely based in my trauma and my hurt uh, that described a person that wasn't a completely accurate description. I can say it was all wrong. Right. Um, But that's not the only person she was. Right. And so that seeing um, seeing my mom through my girlfriend's eyes and her experience, um, and seeing those those traits that are admirable and, and are um, worth hanging on to, was a nice reminder of like nah, the story I've been telling myself for the last ten years isn't the whole story. Yeah. So I think that was one of the softening pieces uh, that, again, made it a lot easier to
1: let go of some of that blame in the end. I'm going to pause this for a moment to take a quick break. Yeah. And we'll be right back. All right. And we're back. So it's been pretty deep. (laughs) There
0: was a a lot there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Just to sum up so far. We we found out a lot about you, um, yeah. Uh, you're but you're a pretty deep person, and there's a lot more than I thought there was there. Like, not saying that I thought you were shallow in sure. any way, but I thought you were, you know, outwardly you're very confident and you're you seem so secure in your sense of self. How are you able to maintain that whenever you you're going through all these internal battles? Yeah. And do you do you feel like that is an authentic representation of who you are. Uh, like
0: I said earlier, man, um, COVID was a wonderful reset for for me personally. Um, you know, you, you lost the ability to go out and do things. We all did, right? World shut down. Um, so all these things that I do, all these things that were... Um, my my value mm-hmm. now off the table um, and then as those things start, started to uh, slowly get reintroduced um, it was really easy you know you get that you either get this pit in your stomach of I'll have to go do that again or Uh, that excitement, that thrill of, man, I really missed that. I'm glad glad I get to go do that again. Right. Um, And thankfully, you know, at the time, at that point in time I'd been counseling for three years, uh, had a better idea of where my value came from where my value was, was rooted. Right. Uh, When I had that pit in my stomach of, I have to go do that again. I just didn't do it. Hmm. So I love those organizations I was on on boards of, right? Love them, still do. Uh, I wasn't there for the right reasons all the time. Um, And so that's a, uh, that was a line I drew. Like I'm today, I'm on one board. Wow. Uh, And and frankly, I'm I'm on one board because that one board uh, has a very low commitment. You need me twice a year. Wow. Cool. I can do that. Um, and I got very okay with saying no, I got to say no to this. Uh, not, not good for me right now. Um, and so that has helped me be more authentic. Right. So if I, if I'm somewhere, if I'm getting involved in your thing, if I'm helping out, I want to be there. Mm -hmm.
1: It's, it's real. So, do you think you could have you could have reset those boundaries without that forced reset of COVID? Um, I mean,
0: that's there were some benefits there that would would be pretty impossible to replicate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there were some professional changes in that uh, in that same time uh, that changed my. Role, and especially now, I'm in a spot now that um, my community involvement now is uh, irrelevant to my job my my company now doesn't need me involved in the community. They're excited when I do stuff, excited that I'm part of the team, excited to support the things that I want to support, but it's not a reflection of my success in my job, like it was with pal and some of my other roles um so, you know, professionally, my time at Pal was coming. So those changes probably would have eventually come. Mm-hmm. What I think COVID did, um, COVID exposed uh, a lot of who you were, mm-hmm. both individually, professionally, as organizations. Um, if you were a group with good leadership, you probably found some really great ways to to get through COVID and thrive and come out on the other end. If you're an organization with bad leadership, you probably struggled in COVID, probably uh, struggled to come out on the other end, and you might not be around today, right? Professionally speaking. Um, So I think COVID just sped up a lot of timelines that people and organizations were on. So I'm sure I would have come to this realization. I don't know if I would have come to it as quick.
1: Right. So uh, you talked a little bit about stepping into the role of of director of account management for Bridge Road. Yeah. Um, I, we met shortly after you had started this new job. And I remember you saying that you were heading into unknown terrain and you were a little a little freaked out. Yeah. What did the transition look like for you? Man, again, um, stepped out of
0: community relations roles in organizations that were heavily based in and around Oklahoma City where my network and my community relations were invaluable. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I was, I was in roles that um, frankly, I could probably do them sleep. Um, it was not meant to be any sort of cocky statement, just the acknowledgement of like, I need my job. I knew how to do it well. Right. right. And I could go do it mm-hmm. um, into a, role that was completely foreign to me. Um, not only that, you know, I was, I was hired for that relationship building ability, uh, but I was dropped into a virtual world, right? And relationship building with someone over Zoom is different yeah. than relationship with someone relationship building with someone over coffee or food, mm-hmm. right? Just different. Uh, and it was something that I had no background in. Uh, no background in it at all. Um, stepping into uh, a world of, of HubSpot and, and working with a lot of tech-based companies. Uh, I'd learned to speak a language that I'd never, I'd never spoke before, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd and to learn to work with a type of person that I'd never worked with before. Uh, and so I stepped into an organization. And I'd come from... Places uh, where again, I'm I'm hesitant to say this because I don't like the sound of it, but I come from places where I was kind of a big deal. Oh, I'd agree with that. I don't, I don't like, I don't like saying that, but that's where we are, right? Yeah. I stepped into an organization where I am the weak link. Mm -mm. I am the bottom. Like I'm, I'm miles behind everyone else here in what we do. Uh, and that was humbling. That was really humbling. And I spent my first month or so thinking I messed up. Yeah. I made a mistake. Um, I should not have done this. Um, that was, that was difficult. That was hard. Um, and so again, just faced with the decision, what are you going to do? What are you going to do in this moment? This is uh, a bit of a defining moment here. Do I go back to my comfort zone? And that, man, I even, I got a call about a month or two into my current job, uh, from that comfort zone Mm -hmm. saying door's still open if you want to come back, had an opportunity to run away and go straight back to what I was good at, uh, and just live a comfortable life, um, made the decision of I want to figure this out right because I want to be something that I say to myself on, on a regular basis as a just a, a hype up kind of reminder uh, I want to be someone who can do hard things yeah I can do hard things so saying I, I literally say that to myself multiple times a day I can yeah. do hard things and I have the when I have to have the conversation I don't want to have when I have to do the task I don't want to do when I have to go take on the project to learn the new skill. I can do hard things. Yeah. That self-talk has has been a, a big deal for me. But in those moments, in that moment, when the comfort zone saying, come back, we got you, come on back. We'll we'll make it nice and cushion easy for you. I had to remind myself, like, I
1: want to do hard things. I can do hard things. And so, um, so was your reluctance to go back to the comfort zone? Was that about, redefining your identity and separating yourself from that that I am my relationships mentality Uh, a little bit for
0: sure Um, but I can just kind of for me uh, living in that comfort zone uh, I want to be pushed I want to I want to try new things I want to have challenges, right? Um, and those weren't going to come in, in those roles, right? Uh, and so I, I was faced, I had two, two positions in front of me. The comfort zone position, um, that had a ton of security, uh, but I was at my ceiling, right? Or the new position that had little to no security, but had a ceiling that I couldn't even see yet. Mm. Um, and so what did I want to do in that moment? Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to bet on myself. I wanted to gamble a little bit. Um, and so that's, that was the, the
1: deciding factor there. I want to go, I want to go push. I want to go see what I can do with this opportunity. If you had not had spent the last, you know, five years previous in counseling, <laughs> do you think you could have made that decision? <laughs> Probably not. No. Um,
0: because, um, so my, you know, that the decision to take the job I'm in um, was probably the first time I made a decision for myself mm. with, with no one else in mind. And what I mean by that is I was, I've spent so much of my life afraid to let other people down, right? Um, and the role I was in was at OKCPS. Um, and I got there because of relationships, Dr. Sean McDaniel, who I'm a huge fan of, uh, superintendent there, what he's done with the school district, uh, the type of leader he is, the type of person he is, again, just somebody I want to be around. Uh, he called me up. And said, hey, I want you, I want you on team OKCPS. Okay, here's a role I have, and I want you to fill it. Come do it. And so I took that job. And nine weeks later, uh, I got this other job offer. Yeah, Nine weeks. Um, and so having to go talk to Sean and say, hey, man, I know you just opened this door for me and, and you... Uh, you believe in me and, and you're my biggest cheerleader um, but I've got to go try this other thing. That was hard um, because again, I feel like I'm letting you down. Yeah, uh, I don't want to let you down. I feel like I'm letting you down. Um, and in, in wrestling with those, when, when the second job offer came and I'm sitting there thinking, do I take this job or do I stay where I am with OKCPS? The uh, only thing that was going to get me to stay at OKCPS was the fear of not wanting to let people down. Yeah. Had nothing to do with what was best for me, right? It was just, I have to stay here so I don't let people down. So ruin these relationships with people who who like me. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) And having the ability that I practiced and I built in counseling to say, that's not where my value is. My feelings, my desires, what I want matter also, um, help me take this job. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think I would have been able
1: to do it without that counseling. That's a, I mean, I feel like a big part of figuring out our, our identities is separating other people's dreams for us mm-hmm. from what we really want. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's, it's great to have people supporting you and, helping you fulfill your dreams, it can get, it gets dangerous when other people start to dream for you. Yeah. You know, cause I, like I've already done it with my kids and started to lay out a path that I think right. was like, Oh, you guys do jujitsu. Great. Right. So I built this whole big dream around it and then they didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And it, it crushed me, yeah. but I had to back away and say, yeah. okay, like I'm letting my stuff right. affect you. Yeah. That's not what it like, especially with your own kids. Like that's not what it's about. And you know, friends are the same. You, yeah. You're there to support their their dreams, not your dreams for them. And and just like with your kids, um,
0: you didn't do that with bad intention, right? No. You did that because you want the best for them, absolutely. And you think you know what that path is, and you might be right. But there are certain aspects of that that they're just going to figure out for themselves, right? Yeah. People want their own paths for you. But something else I've I've noticed. Um, Notice it's not rocket science. Um, there are going to be people at every turn who tell you you can't do something. And that's a reflection of what they think about their own abilities, mm-hmm. not what they think about yours. Right? right. They're telling you, you can't do that because I can't do it. I know I couldn't do that, so you can't do that. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And so <sighs> I want to try my best never to be someone who says you can't do that, especially around kids.
1: Especially yeah. with kids, man. Um, so, that's yeah, a great thing to to stick. Like kind of, you know, lay your hat on is mm. like let's not discourage these kids. Who, yeah. I mean, really, they have all the potential in the world to do anything mm-hmm. until we start limiting them. Yep. Um, if until the age of eighteen to twenty one is basically our <laughs> our beta our prototype phase. Mm-hmm what version of Peter sits in front of me today? Oh man
0: um, let's see 18 to 18 to 23 or 24 was definitely version 1 if there were my beta whatever you want to call it there hmm. um, there was a version from 25 to 30. Uh, so that's prototype two uh, and then probably that version from 30 up to counseling, whatever age that was, 35, 36, mm-hmm. it's version three. So I'm probably in, in a, a version four right now um, and that still kind of, you know, definitely not through counseling. Now I think that will, will be an aspect of my life forever, but yeah. Um, Having a better understanding of my value and my identity, and and what makes me happy and what doesn't make me happy, and what drains me and what fills my cup, um, those are. That's a uh, a big aspect of who I am now, and being able to say, I know you like that thing, that's not for me. I'm just like, and
1: that's, and we can still be friends, and we can still be cool. I don't want to do it though. If. Yeah, this is it's so surprising the way this conversation is going because, you know, I was really thinking I was going to get all these tips and how, <laughs> how to go network. how to thing. go network. And, you know, really, I, I know you could still give those tips, sure. but th- there's a, a much better story here and how you actually started to live authentically. Yeah. Well, and I think some of the tips apply to both.
0: Um, a tip I'd give you for both, uh, ask questions, man. Mm-hmm. The, the amount of times that people have told me that I'm such a good conversationalist or we had such an easy conversation or, or something about the way I talk to them, right? And you look back on the conversation and I didn't do any of the talking. Just ask questions, mm-hmm. right? And I listened with intention right? Um, The only difference between that networking person that you thought you knew and the person who's sitting here now is I'll still ask you the questions. I'll still get excited about all the things. I don't have to go do all the things afterwards. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't have to go sit on your board. I don't have to be part of your committee. I don't have to help with your project. I can be a fan i can I can like your stuff on social media. I can ask you for updates and get super excited about it the next time I see you. um the guy before felt like I had to go help if I was asked to help mm-hmm. and now I have the ability to say either that's not for me or I don't have the capacity right now right and and acknowledging that uh I've gotta save some of that capacity for me.
1: Uh, it's not a skill I used to have. I mean, that's a, it's an important one to avoid burn, burnout for sure. Yeah. And you know, what you said earlier, <coughs> everybody loves to talk about themselves to somebody mm-hmm. who's actively listening. Yeah. Like sharing a story to someone who's not really paying attention to you. Not really great. Yeah. But if you feel like somebody's actually interested in your story, yeah, it feels great. Yeah. So absolutely. Those are great. That's a great advice. Well, and that, that active listening, um, is is
0: also a learned skill because again, for so long, as you're talking, I'm formulating my response in my head. Mm-hmm. Right? That's not active listening. Right. Like I'm not. I'm. I'm worrying about my response. I'm worrying about how my uh, my ability to comprehend what you're saying is coming across. Right? That's not active listening. Mm-hmm. Truly active listening—it's uh, a, a skill you have to learn. It took me a long time to learn. Um, but man, if you if you are excited about something, I don't care if it's something that is completely foreign to me. I want to hear you talk about it. There's right. a, a fun example. I work I work with a different level of introverts now, uh, and there's a girl in my office who has um, roly polies. As pets. Okay. Right? Yeah, that's a different and level. That's, that's different. Right. right. Did you know there are multiple species? And, no. and here's here's what they are and here's how they live and here's what they eat. And uh and this girl can go on for days about Rolly polies. I'm never gonna have Rolly Poly as a pet. Never gonna do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Not in my interest level. I can sit there and listen to her talk about it all day. Yeah. It's fascinating when she talks about it. Because she's so excited about it. Yeah, that's such a cool thing. Not something I'm never going to do, mm-hmm. right? Probably never going to help you do this. Probably never going to, you know, get into any sort of roly-poly related project with you. <laughs> but I'm super excited that you're doing this. I'm super excited that you found this thing that you enjoy, uh, and and I like to to see you get excited. So tell me. Is, is learning
1: to just be interested, <clears throat> in, not so much in the topic, but just in the excitement of the speaker, is that is that a learned skill as well? Or is that something that's always been there for you? You know, I think that's always been, I think that
0: part of it's always been there.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the learned skill was uh, just being able to hear it and accept it and move on, mm. right? Not, how can I help? How can I make this better? What can I how can I prove to you that I can add value to what you're doing? Right. Right. Um, the the value I can add to, to most of the conversations I'm in now is that I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. High
1: five, man. And great. Go for it. Go on and keep doing what you do. Yeah. And that's you're, what you're talking about is on the other side, a really important relationship tool, because I'm still, you know, over 15 years into my relationship with my wife still not great at just listening mm-hmm. without trying to fix a problem. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's not active listening. That's, you know, trying to be a problem solver, trying to, yep. you know, that's not what your partner needs most of the time. Most of the time, they just need to be able to talk to you. And I can say that all day long, but practicing it is, it's, yeah. it's hard. Do you ever ask ahead of time? Um, I've gotten better at so, saying, Hey, do you need me to, right. do you just need me to listen or do you want me to help yeah. you solve this problem? Do you need support? It's so hard. You need a solution. <laughs>
0: It's yeah. hard. Still, it's still hard. It and it is hard, but man, I've had that I've had coworkers I've had that conversations with. I've had that I've had uh, relationships uh, that I've had that conversation with. And man, if you tell me I just need support, I can turn everything off. Yeah. Right? Just my my brain is not working. I am solely focused on you and the words come out of your mouth. That's wow. it. And it's that was a learned that was a Learn skill to practice yeah. for sure. Now, if you tell me that you need a solution, you need help. I'm going to go into to work mode and mm-hmm. we're going to take some notes. And we're going to get a plan together. Um, but if you tell me you just need a solution or you need support, bring it on.
1: What do you got? As in in a co-working situation, mm-hmm. what does it look like just being supportive? Because to me, usually if you're talking about something, that you know is a some sort of conflict yeah at work there should you should be trying to work towards a solution man especially when you're in the leadership role yeah right
0: if you're the leader of the organization of the team of whatever you're on uh again i felt for a long time it was my job to be the solution Mm -hmm. right uh and i worked with someone her name was Brittany ward uh who sometimes just needed a van right i had a tough exchange with one of our volunteers or one of my one of my schools not doing what I needed to do or or this thing didn't go the way I wanted it to. Um she called me out. She um she was saying I, I don't remember what we were talking about, but I remember her saying, I don't need you to fix this. I'm just frustrated right now. Hmm. Cool. Next time you don't need me to fix something, tell me. I won't. That's great. (laughs) Take it off me. And so that, from a professional standpoint, that's probably where that habit started. Hey, I know you're, you're coming in hot right now. Do you need support or do you need a solution? And if you need a solution or you need support, cool. Shut my door, do whatever you got to do. And I'm here to support you. Yeah. Um, So,
1: yeah. And, and I've, I've talked to my wife about this. I think it's just something about how my brain works. Yeah. I'm like, you don't have to ask me that question. I want to fix it. Right. Like whatever it is, I'm 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 talking about it because I want to fix it. That doesn't mean be unkind to me. And that's, that's something that she's had to work on. Sure. Is, I, I do want your, your, your advice, your support. You telling me it sucks. The thing I want to do sucks or, you know, Being unkind with your words, not helpful, but coming from a different perspective and providing support and yeah, I want it. Like, please help me figure this thing out. I, um, I have spent a lot of time. It's just, it's something I,
0: I nerd out over a little bit and I really enjoy, um, different personality assessments, right? Mm. Um, spending time in those both in what my personality assessment says about me, but, um, co-workers, relationships, friends, what, what their assessments say about them, right? Mm-hmm. And learning communication styles and the way people process things. I had a co-worker at Monorme Technology Center um, who I thought hated me, hated me, right? I come to her with an idea and she's like, oh, yeah, okay. And we'll just walk off and we'll just never talking about it again. Right. right? I was like, man, she just, she doesn't like anything I, I want to try. She is not supportive. Um, and then we, as a team, we all went through this personality assessment and she was in this group of people who just need time to process, right? And I don't process out loud. I process in my own kind of quiet little corner. And here's how I do it. And here's how long it takes me to make a decision. Um, that changed our whole. Our whole communication style, right? Yeah. Um, so again, with, with your wife, kind of what I said about your mom or about my mom earlier, I doubt your wife is ever like, I really hope I hurt his feelings today. Oh, um, no, right? absolutely not. Yeah, for never, sure. Never, never would she really think them. maybe, maybe you earned that sometimes, but, yeah. I, but rarely <laughs> does she say that, that right? Be. Um, So, again, the other thing I say is often relationships is, hey, if I say something that hurts your feelings, you have to tell me. Right. Because I can guarantee you I didn't mean it. Mm -hmm. I didn't mean it to hurt your feelings. So there's a miscommunication somewhere. So if I said something that hurts your feelings, you have to pause, stop in that moment and talk about that thing. Mm -hmm. Because one of us is misunderstanding something. So let's reframe it. Let's talk about it. So I know what I did hurt your feelings or you know what you did to hurt my feelings Mm -hmm. right we have to stop and talk about these things as opposed to just
1: hanging on to it forever and letting that build and build and build right yeah and and i definitely agree with that (laughs) model i unfortunately can get into that you know into the (laughs) bad space where i do say things to be hurtful it's something that i i was raised by yeah you know my parents were very mean to each other and that's that's the model i grew up with as generational trauma i've i've done a pretty good job of breaking but it's something i have to be honest with myself about and say that conversation was not was not useful yeah i was mean you know i I said mean things and i hurt my wife who i care about very much and it's it's a continual process of being you know being honest and knowing that she loves me enough to accept me anyways and uh, being a you know the person is like I was an asshole. I'm right. sorry. Let's let's make this very
0: clear. I can sit here in this safe podcast room with you, with my buddy, and talk about these things and say all these nice, wonderful things about how you should act and how you should approach life and mindset you should have. Right. Mm. In no way does that mean that I get it right every time. Right. Right. There's mm. no way I get it right every time. I hope I get it right every time. Yeah. I hope I have the ability when I get it wrong to say mess that up. I didn't do that right. But even that, like I'll do that right every time. Right. either. So uh,
1: much easier said than done, man. I mean, but the, the awareness is what's so important of knowing that I'm not perfect. I don't get it right every time I'm trying to you know, improve on it. And especially when you're talking about it, you know, you're sharing your vulnerabilities on air. It's important to, to acknowledge those things. It's like, this is what I'm aiming for. Yeah. I don't hit the mark all the yeah. time. Well, that again back to those learned skills. Uh, in
0: that, in that guy who had to be everywhere, had to have it all together, had to be perfect all the time. Um, we, you could probably guess not perfect all the time. Right. Right. So in those, in those times when I messed up, I didn't want to tell anybody, I don't want to tell you until I have this fixed, Mm -hmm. right? Let's, let's hide this side, uh, until I have this fixed and I know it won't happen again, or I have this
1: completely Mm -hmm. under control. Right. That's a, I've, I've been there before. Yeah. That's a scary place to be Yeah. that, you know, I've made a mistake. I'm going to fix it first, right. then I'll tell people about right. it. That, that whole time from mistake cool. to, to it's, resolution is awful. It's awful. It's terrible. Don't do that. Folks do not do that. Tell somebody, oh, yes. share it with somebody. Let's and off. The worst part about it is, is so often somebody else has the fix. Yeah instantly you, you tell them about it and you know you tell your boss about the mistake you made yep. you tell your co-worker and they say oh I did that too yep. here's how you fix it 100% and instead you spend I mean what feels like an eternity agonizing agonizing oh that's the yes. perfect word agonizing yes.
0: Uh and so yeah that, that learned skill of being able to say hey I messed that up I messed that up really bad I need help un-messing it up mm-hmm. right but man pre-counseling um just in that in that guy who had to have it all together that the idea of saying i need help or i messed up or i wasn't good enough or i did something wrong or bad or whatever it was was unimaginable right i could not show you that weakness yeah it's there right it's absolutely there Mm uh but i couldn't show it to you and i couldn't I couldn't show that to the people that I was the most intimate with.
1: Yeah. And that's just, it's heavy, man. So I wouldn't wish that on anybody. So. I'm glad you're able to come out of that. Um, As you've been in this, you know, this newer version of yourself. Has there been a time when being the authentic self has burned you? Mm, Man, being my authentic self has burned me.
0: You know, the, uh, the idea of like breakups, uh, hurt more now, mm. now that I'm more real with you, yeah. uh, that, that time when, when breakups happened, I want a couple of years ago to just mess me up in a way that I've not been hurt before, but I also opened up in that relationship in a way I'd not opened up before. Right. right. Um, so there are things like that where it hurts more. Like I feel more of the feelings, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think being authentic has ever burned me. Um, and in those in those moments where it's potentially burned me, I gave you too much and you took advantage. And um, you know, I kind of see that as a way to say thank you. All right. <laughs> like, you, you showed me
1: your cards. Um, we're just, we're on different paths and good luck to you. That's why I asked this question. Yeah. I, I try to ask it every episode. Yeah. I don't always, but I, I try to, because very seldom can people think of a time when it did burn them. And in cases where it did, it's a valuable lesson. Yeah. Or like you said, you loved harder than you ever have before. You showed somebody more of yourself yeah. and, that hurts. But I mean, in the long run, is it really a loss? Right. Like, I mean, that, that to me is it's a win and yeah, it hurts. Yeah. Like, Oh yeah. I mean, that was definitely a win. And again, thanks for talking about in counseling, uh, talking about
0: the hurt that I felt there, but just the fact that I was, I put myself out there. I was vulnerable uh, and I felt that hurt um, was a
1: win, was a giant win. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Did you did you enter that relationship as yourself, or did you have to unveil that as you? Um, I
0: mean, it was a it was a gradual process. Yeah, I mean, it was a probably a year long
1: thing, and it was a it was a slow and steady progression for <laughs> sure. Um, so, uh, I, I encourage authenticity in all things, but in relationships, especially because yeah, hopefully, if you start. <clears throat> as yourself and you meet somebody who's themselves, either you're going to find out pretty quickly, either you click or you don't. And there's going to be so much less conflict down the road. That's going to be irreparable. Yeah. Versus, you know, you start as somebody who is pretending to be this, this and that. Yeah. And as you slowly peel those things away, you've changed to a different person by the end of it. And maybe the other person doesn't like that person. And that's fair. I mean, it's, it's, and also you grow when you grow in these processes and hopefully you go together instead of apart, but you know, honoring that is important. Something that has helped me in
0: that, in that journey, specifically in relationships, um, you know, you saw this guy who was confident and could work a room and, and all that stuff. The, the path you said is on for this conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Well, here I am telling you that's not all of who I am, right? Um, I, I lost kind of where I'm going with that, but, um, that inability or, so that, that type of relationship building that I had for a long time, mm-hmm. I can even, even here now we talked about some deep things, right? Right. Not all of it was deep. Mm-hmm. You might hear my story. You might hear parts of it and think, man, that's deep. It wasn't really deep. Um, and so I have to say that I have to say that in in that relationship building. But hey, I, I know I told you this thing and on the surface it's heavy um, and it might sound like a big thing and it is a big thing, but if this relationship progresses, we're going to have to have this conversation again. Because it gets there's heavy. aspects of it that I didn't tell you, mm. right? There's there's emotional aspects, there's ways it has impacted me. There are other things, that it, other ripple effects that I didn't tell you, right? Mm. So I can sit here and tell this story almost in like a sequence of events, right? right? to tell you the story in a matter of fact way um for a long time people especially in relationships thought and myself too thought i'm opening up i'm being vulnerable i'm being authentic i'm not Mm -hmm. i'm just telling you the surface of what happened right and so i say that often now too i know we're talking about this thing um, we're going to have to talk about it again. Mm. And and after that, we're going to have to talk about it again. And after that, we're, we're going to have to talk about it again because I can't tell you this story once and tell you every aspect of what happened. And that's That kind of takes me back full circle to the very start of counseling. Uh, my my very first session, um, he goes, what brought you in today? And I just lay out this whole story of life, right? Mm-hmm. And he just said, um, "You know, that's a there's a lot there. It's a big story." Uh, and you sat here and told me that with not an ounce of emotion. That's not good. Right? And you shouldn't. You shouldn't be able to tell that story without emotion. That's what I want to get into. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I showed up thinking I want to get there and talk about my my girlfriend and my romantic relationships, and how I'm unhappy at work. Mm-hmm. And he's like. No, no, no. We're going to talk about this other stuff first, and once we once we get through all of that, we can get to girlfriends and work and yeah. whatnot. And here we are, six years
1: into it, still talking about that. Wow! Right. So, I mean, it's about peeling the layers. Yep. And authenticity to me is about choosing who gets to see the core of your onion yep. and who gets to see the first layer, <laughs> the second layer, but being being aware of it. Sure. And not just choosing for there to be one layer that that goes out to everybody. Cause yeah. that's not true. Yeah. yeah. Not everybody deserves the same level yeah. of, of Peter. Yeah. Right. Um, saying yeah. that, is there anything else that you feel like you'd want to go deeper in right now that you'd want to just clarify or.
0: I mean, I, I don't know that I have anything that I want to, uh, mess, nothing comes to mind on what I want to go deeper in and clarify, um, but you know, if you're if you're still listening to this podcast, I mean we have been here a while now. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to try and beat <laughs> Derek's record, but I'm not <laughs> touching <laughs> it. Um, but something I, I read recently and it was Brene Brown, Power of Vulnerability. Um, she talks about the importance of uh time to be creative and time to play. Um and and how we you know as kids we have all the time in the world to be creative and to play, mm-hmm. and we lose that as adults. Uh, and how important that time is, right? So, uh, if you're still listening, if you want to, if you want a good read, pick up "Power of Vulnerability." Um, but my big takeaway from that was the importance of creativity and play. Uh, so, find things that allow you to be creative or allow you to play, where nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been. Running a lot lately. I'm not the smallest guy out there. I've never been a runner, Um, but that time now, I've found a way to enjoy that time almost as my play. You know, when I'm when I'm out trying to trying to get some miles in, emails don't matter, social media doesn't matter, who's texting me doesn't matter. I'm just out and just out doing my thing, out playing, Uh, and that has been. So rejuvenating for me. So uh,
1: find ways to be creative. Find ways to play. Something I found so far in this you know discovery of authenticity is that people who have, <coughs> have talked about their time where they weren't really themselves, they didn't have anything they did for fun. There there was there wasn't really yeah. any fun. There wasn't room for fun because right. every, everything is put into pretending. Uh-huh. Now that you've come more into your own, you're finding room for fun again. Yeah, And so like, definitely give credit to Brene Brown because I've been hearing her name a lot. And I, like, I know who she is having any of her stuff, but I think that that's, it's so important to one look at if you are having any fun in your life Yeah. Two, look at if you're not, why aren't you? Yeah.
0: And it's, again, there's just, there's, it's a slippery slope and there are fine lines, right? Mm -hmm. I loved Powell. I loved my time in Pow. I loved what we got to build in Pow, but there was a time in Pow when it was not fun, mm-hmm. um, and it took me too long to realize I'm in a time when this is not fun. Yeah. this is no longer fun. Um, because how, how could this thing not be fun? I loved it, right? I, this is I'm I'm getting to make such an impact. I'm getting to meet so many people. I'm going to be a part of so many cool things. How is this not fun? Yeah, it's not fun. And so knowing where those boundaries are, um, and they can sneak up on you. So this is, this is thing that takes constant assessment.
1: Man, <laughs> you, 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 mentioned the time where yeah. we're coming up on two hours. Oh man, sorry. So, no, <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> please don't apologize. I think it's been such a valuable conversation and really surprising. And I'm so glad that you, you've been so vulnerable and you shared such a deep journey with us because I think it's so important to hear especially from the people who look like they've got it all together to hear that it's, it's a journey for everyone. Yeah, It looks different for everyone, but it also mm-hmm. is the same for everyone. Yep. We all hurt. We all, you know, try to hide or deal with that, that pain in different ways, but really honesty is, is the path, like getting to that place where you can share yourself with others, especially the people you love and be honest about it. Life gets better. Absolutely. Like 1,000% better whenever you're living authentically. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So what's next for Peter? Well,
0: today, uh, I'm going to go celebrate my nephews, man. Little guy turned two yesterday. We've got a, a family birthday party. So, you know, I'll see my mom. I'll see some family that uh, I've had some of those boundaries with. And so uh, I'll do that until uh, my my cup is empty. Uh, and then I've got some some plans tonight with uh, with some people who fill my cup back up, you know. Uh, so I know I need some of both. Yeah. Um, so that's what's what's immediately next for me. Um, you know, professionally, I'm, I'm kind of staying where I am. I'm enjoying this this path of learning to do hard things that are outside of my my comfort zone, mm-hmm. out of my control. Um, that's been a fun challenge for me.
1: Um, and I think that's as, I think that's as far as I can tell you, man. Well, I, I'm curious about this because you, you've talked a lot about your mom yeah. on this episode. You've talked about your family some. Yeah. Will you tell your mom about this podcast? Ooh, that's a heavy question, man. right? Like, cause I think um, about it. My mom was listening all the time because yeah. I talk about her a lot. Um, man, I don't, I don't know. Uh,
0: I don't know if I can, I don't know how long it would take me to sit here to, to
1: formulate an answer. I, I don't know is an answer. That's yeah. It's okay to not know. I I don't know. Yeah. Um. I just think it's interesting because this is you know a <laughs> very vulnerable place, and people come yeah. here and feel safe enough to talk about things that hopefully they're they're cognizant <clears throat> of the implications sure. of. But because I don't think anybody's coming and just like trashed anybody. Sure. But at the same time, your mom would probably it would probably hurt her feelings to some degree. I mean that's. I, I would be lying if I
0: said that thought didn't cross my mind because mm-hmm. I did listen to uh, some of yourself with Derek and did kind of know what I'm stepping into. Right. And I know how you're going to promote it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that there are going to be topics that we talked about that no one else knows about. Yeah. It was about to be out there. Right. Um,
1: I don't know, man, I could just, we'll see what comes of it. But thinking about like in that emotion right there, yeah. what, what do you feel? Like, are you, are you afraid? Are you excited to have that burden off that? Cause like, you know, I am not the only person who thinks that Peter Evans is, <laughs> you know, is a legend in networking and really is one of the most confident people who walks into a room. I, I'm sure I'm positive. Um, I'm not the only person who thinks that, you know, um, I have peace in knowing that
0: um, the people who need to know that right now know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also have peace in knowing, like, the people who will hear this and accept it are probably the people I want to keep around. Yeah. Right? You know, if, if someone listens to this and, like, man, that's not the dude I thought he was. And he's weird. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be around all that. Cool. Personally, I I love that fast forward button. I'm like, let's just skip to the good part where you leave. Right. Thank you. But the people who, you know, maybe someone reached out and says, hey, you know, thank you for saying that because it makes it easier for me to say it now. Yeah. Awesome. You're welcome. Like, come be like, how can I be in your circle?
1: Right. That's really what I hope for. And somebody like you saying it, I feel like really leapfrogs. The, the level of, uh, power mm. that, that, it, that is going to have this whole show, you know, mm-hmm. the, the whole point of it is to help people be more themselves yeah. and somebody like you, who so many people think is already there, mm. you're still working on it. Yeah, so it's okay yeah. that I am too. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Um,
0: It's another quote I remind myself of often, uh, the people who care don't matter and the people who matter don't care. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So.
1: as a Derek would say, (laughs) bars, Derek is good. Good people. Talking about good people, man. uh, Like I've, I've been so blessed with the circle I've had of people who are willing to support me and come on this show because they're, they're wise people. They're people who've seen some stuff and they're also kind enough to share their time with, with me and my audience. It would be really easy to say, I'm so happy for what you're doing, but I don't have time for it. Right. Like, taylor doe who was on yesterday we i mean we had to do some schedule hustling to get it yeah. get it going because the dude's busy Dude but busy. he's still taking the time and he wants to come back on and yeah. you know i i feel like what we're doing here is important yeah and i feel like it's, it's going to be really valuable as it gets spread out there you know it's yeah. like i have the this huge the huge listing base right now but even if it's just one person who is able to to feel more comfortable sharing yeah. themselves with their circle, like yeah. that's that's enough. Yeah. Well, I'll, as I I feel this kind of
0: coming coming to a, a natural end here, I'll just I'll bring us again back full circle. Um, I do appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate the space you're creating. I just appreciate the conversations you're having. Um, I don't know what will come of this, but if there's something I can do to support and help, uh, you know how to find me. Absolutely.
1: I believe in you, man. Oh, so you, you'll make me cry. Keep doing it. Don't look at me. Keep doing it. <laughs> um, luckily for me, whenever I enjoy something, I, I, I really like to get into it. So I don't, I don't see any stopping. Um, like I said, that, that 44% of three episodes or less, uh, this is my ninth episode. <laughs> uh, 10 will be on. No, I'm sorry. This is my 10th. is the 10th episode. Okay. Wednesday with JB will be 11. And, as long as I can keep getting great guests like you guys to come yeah. on, I'm going to keep doing it. Cause I really love it. Um, and I, I really do feel like I'm hopefully helping make the world a little bit better every yeah. time I do one.
0: Well, you've got a, uh, from what I know of your lineup so far, you've got some amazing people, uh, and those amazing people have some amazing people in their network. So yeah.
1: I, I can see you having a long list of, uh, people here. This has been great, man. Thank you. Right. Thank you so much. Uh, everybody, if you've enjoyed today's episode, (laughs) give us a follow and a like and share it with someone you think might enjoy it too. Also check out earlier episodes to support the future creation of great content. Don't forget to like us on at authentic identity management on Instagram, Facebook, threads, and LinkedIn. You can also head over to the authentic Bruce YouTube channel for podcast video with bonus content and impactful clips from my conversations with these great guests. Finally. If you were struggling to show up as yourself in your content, your work, your family, or your life, I would love to help you. Authentic Identity Management does identity coaching to help you align yourself with the identity you share with the world. It's exhausting to live someone else's life. Live authentically and access the potential that belongs only to you. You can contact me on social or email at bruce at authenticidentymanagement.com to set up a free 30 minute consultation. Thanks again to Peter Evans for being here. That is it for today's episode. Until next time, be yourself and love yourself. Bye, everyone.